0: His mother died when he was seven years old. As he talked about her later in his life, he said, I always remember her as somebody who was always sick. But somebody, in spite of her sickness, would teach me the Bible and help me memorize Bible verses and and hymns of the church. After After his mother died, he was moved from boarding school to boarding school. When he was old enough to, to join a, the crew of a ship, he went to sea. He wanted to live a good life, but his life went deeper and deeper into sin. When he was old enough, he was drafted into the British Army. He didn't like the discipline of the army, so he deserted. He was captured and flogged and spent a year in prison. He said it, when he looked back at that time of his life, his thoughts went back and forth between either murder or suicide. And he said, at that time of my life, he says, I knew I was capable of anything. When he got out of prison and was discharged from the Navy, he got his own ship and was out in the dangers and toils and snares of the sea. On the night of March the 9th, 1748... Twenty-three years old, a sea captain of his own ship, he was jolted awake by a terrible, brutal storm. It was a storm so rough and so tumultuous that he and his crew thought there was no hope of ever making it back to land. They all thought that they were all going to be killed in the storm. Early the next day, early in the morning on March the 10th, 1748, he cried out to God. He said, I prayed the same prayer that Peter prayed when he was walking on water to meet Jesus and he took his eye off Jesus and began to sink in the sea and and he just cried out, Lord save me. This sea captain, 23 years old, thinking there was no hope to be saved from the storm, fell on his knees on the deck of his ship and cried out that same prayer, Lord, save me. He later wrote, That 10th of March is a day much remembered by me, and I have never suffered it to pass unnoticed since the year 1748. The Lord came from on high and delivered me not only out of the deep waters of the sea, but out of the deep waters of sin, he gave up his ship. He became a preacher of the gospel, a powerful preacher of the gospel, and he wrote over a hundred hymns. One day, he was studying the passages of Scripture that we read from First Chronicles chapter seventeen. Verses 16 and 17. Again, when David was going to God, after God wouldn't let him build the temple, and God said, no, I'll let one of your sons build it. And, 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 and again, that verse, and David the king came and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? And this preacher got on his knees, and he says, God, I ask the same question that David asked. I'm a wretched sinner. I walked away from my mother's teaching. I did things that I am embarrassed to think about uh, that I ever did. Who am I that you would do all the things that you have done for me? Who am I that you would send your son to die in my place? Who am I that Jesus Christ would bear my sin and make me right with you? The year was 1779. 1779. This 54 year old preacher got a piece of paper and, a, and his ink and his quill, and he wrote a hymn that he entitled, Faith, Faith's Review and Expectation. Faith, faith's Review and Expectation. It became the most famous of the, all the hymns that he wrote. It's beloved by many Christians. Many in this room, and it's your favorite hymn. Of course, we don't know it by that title. The preacher was John Newton. The hymn was Amazing Grace. It's 236 years old this year. And the grace that it reminds us of is older than the world itself because it was a grace devised in heaven before the foundations of the world. But I want to tell you something this morning. God's grace is still amazing His grace, no matter how old it gets, no matter how many years passes, it's still an amazing grace. It's amazing, number one, because it's still saving wretched sinners. You see, only you and I as sinners know how bad we are. Only us and God. Nobody else knows. I don't know your sin. You don't know my sin, but I know my sin. And I know that God knows my sin. And I know that the Bible is true when it says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness, righteousness is plural, are as filthy rags. And if all of us were honest with ourselves this morning, we would say with the Apostle Paul, as he wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. I am the chiefest of sinners. You don't know my sin, but I do. And God does. And I say, like Paul, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners like me. And I'm the worst of the worst. I'm the baddest of the baddest, if that's a word. And yet Christ Jesus came into the world to save a sinner like me. Who am I that God would do that for me? Who am I that Jesus would leave the portals of heaven? Who am I that he would come to live among sinful men and to be tested in all points like as we? Who am I that he would allow us to take him and nail him to Calvary's cross? Who am I that he would shed his blood for? Who am I that he would do that great act of love? Who am I? I'm a nobody. I'm a wretched sinner. There's nothing about me that deserves the love that Jesus expressed to me on Calvary. There's nothing that I could ever do to earn it. There's nothing that I could ever do to pay it back. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourself. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Grace, God's riches as Christ's expense. Grace, unmerited favor. Grace, God giving us a gift that we in no way deserve. Who am I? Who am I? Who are you that he would do that for you? David wrote in Psalm Psalm 8, When I consider the heavens the works of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? We're nothing. And God's grace is still amazing because it's still saving wretched sinners. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. God's grace is still amazing. It's still saving wretched sinners. Number two, it's still amazing. It's getting us through many dangers, trials, and snares. Job said in chapter 14, verse 1, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. Life is full of trouble. Life is full of trials. Life is full of heartaches. We lose those that we love. We get sick with cancer and aneurysms and diseases whose names I can't even pronounce. And it's not respectful of ages. It comes to little babies. It comes to teenagers. It comes to senior saints. Life is full of troubles. Children make bad decisions and pay the consequences and break their parents' heart relationships that are meant to last a lifetime, break and are dissolved. And the Bible doesn't promise us that, we'll, as a Christian, that we'll never go through times like that. I mean, it doesn't make us that promise. But the Bible does promise that there's one that goes with us through every valley. The Bible does promise there's one that's with us in every circumstance of life. In Psalm chapter 9, verse 9, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. In Psalm 27, for in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. In Psalm 32, thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverances. In Psalm 37, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Listen, this world can fall apart. And everything we hold dear can fall apart. But we will never fear or never be discouraged because we have one that goes with us through every trial. Who am I? Who am I that God would do that for? Who am I that God would never leave me or forsake me? Newton said it like this. Through many dangerous toils and snares, I have already come, tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. God's grace is still amazing, because it's still saving wretched sinners. God's grace is still amazing, because it's still getting us through many dangers, toils, trials, and snares. And then number three, God's grace is still amazing, because it leads us home. leads us home. I never preach a funeral without going to the 23rd Psalm and talking about the valley of the shadow of death. You know that Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me to the sides of still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I like to remind people that have gathered to, to celebrate their life and to mark their death that for a Christian, we never die. I mean, our body dies. That part of us that people see, yeah, one day, one day my body will die. It will lay down, never to breathe again. But I will never die. Never die. That part of me that lives forever, my soul will pass Through this valley that this psalm is talking about. It just looks like death. But it's not really death. Because I will not die. You as a Christian will not die. Because God's amazing grace will take us home. Jesus talked about it in John chapter 14. When he said, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Who am I? Who am I? That God would prepare a place called heaven for me? Who am I that Jesus Christ would spend the time in heaven preparing a place just for me. Who are you that God would do that for? We're just a bunch of wretched sinners. We're just a bunch of people that deserve the wrath of God on our sin. But his love and his grace not only saves us from that sin, but will one day lead us to that place where we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When we've been there (laughs) 10,000 years, bright, shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. So I ask you this morning the same question that Wendell asked a minute ago. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, why not? Why not? How can you resist the love that God showed for you on Calvary? Listen to me. If you were the only sinner in the whole world, if you were the only one that had fallen short of the the glory of God in Jesus Christ, he would have come and he would have died just for you. Just for you. And he did die for you. You you may have rejected Him up to this point in your life. You may have never, not have anything to do with God up to this point in this life, but I want you to know He died for you. He paid the price for your sins. The grace, the amazing grace that we're talking about this morning, he, he, He gave to you, and He'll give it to you. The Bible says that today's the day of salvation, now is the accepted time. Why would, you, why would you leave this place this morning unsaved? Why would you leave this place this morning without asking Jesus to be your Savior? Say, oh, preacher, I didn't come prepared to do that. I don't want to be a Baptist. <laughs> Look, there's nothing you can do to prepare to do it anyway. And I'm not asking you to become a Baptist. I'm asking you to become a Christian. I'm asking you to become part of God's family. I'm asking you to become one of his children. And it's just not me asking, it's him asking. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all... Should come to repentance. The God that made everything wants you to be part of His family. Would you come this morning? Would you? God's grace is still amazing. It's still saving sinners. It's still getting us through this life. And one day it will still lead us to heaven. Why don't you get in on it? Why don't you make sure this morning that you're saved, that, you're, that you belong to Jesus Christ. And he's your Savior. If you ask him, he'll save you. Never turned away anybody. If you ask him, he'll save you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for that amazing grace. Thank you that it never gets old. Thank you that it never gets tired. Thank you that it never quits working. How amazing it is that you would love folks like us. Sinners. Wretched sinners. And yet loved us. Sent your son to die in our place. Offer us salvation. And I pray for that one who might be here this morning that's never taken you up on your offer, never received Jesus as their Savior. Father, help them to see this morning that they are a sinner and that sin sin has a penalty connected with it and that penalty is to be separated from you. And there's nothing they can do to take care of their sin. But Jesus has already done everything that's required. He paid the full price and he offers to them full salvation. And so again, Father, I pray if there's just one person here this morning that's never done that, I pray they would come in just a second as we sing the song of invitation and we could take the Bible and show them from the Bible how they could ask Jesus to be their Savior. Again, Father, speak to our hearts as Christians. Help us to never get over being saved. Help us to never lose the wonder of it. Help us to never grow tired of thinking about it and praising you for what you did for us on Calvary. And if there's a Christian here this morning that maybe just needs to come to the altar and say, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Help them to do it as you lead them. Just bless this time of invitation. Use it to build your kingdom. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.